I prepared a PowerPoint, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know how. Mika said I should point this to him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think why is doing that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to come together to listen to your words. Lord, I pray that you will touch my mouth and that you will speak to your people far beyond what I've intended to. I pray that as many that has come out, Lord, you will encourage their hearts so that they will be blessed and that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. The song that I just gave you is predicated on three assumptions of human nature or three basic instincts of human being. It assumes that one, that human beings are social beings. We can't do without relationships. We relate with one another and we relate with God. The second assumption is that we are creatures for benefits and gains. And there's nothing wrong about it. That's how God has created us. We benefit from relationship. But on the other hand, we are creatures of forgetfulness. We tend to forget oftentimes what benefit we do have in such relationship. And every now and then we go, oh, no one cares for me. But what I really want to look at this evening is our relationship with God. And what are the benefits that we derive from being in a member of God's family? The benefit that we can get as a member of God's family. We tend to forget sometimes for two reasons. One is that because we are creatures of forgetfulness, we always tend to go for short time, instantaneous and um, I would say tangible gratifications. We like something to be concrete, short-lived. We're not thinking in terms of long-term long benefit that we have in our relationship, whether we're together you know, in ourselves, within ourselves, or with God. And the second reason is that we are buried under life circumstances that we tend to forget the promises of God, what he has done, and what he is about to do. In our, in our lives. We tend to forget that because of these two reasons. First, if you want to know what am I going to gain as a child of God, I, I want to encourage you today that as a child of God, 
there are benefits that we can derive and that we do derive from the relationship that we have with God. And I, what I try to do first is to see as we see ourselves belonging to God's own family. And if you look at Bible from the beginning, right from Genesis, our, the patriarch family of God, starting from Abraham through Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Solomon, God dealt with these people in a way that we can understand. And that we know that because he's dealing with them, he was faithful and true to these people. And we are not exception. If he has dealt with those people so kindly, he can do the same with us. So what is a family? In soci the sociologists will want us to believe that one of the hold principal agency of socialization is the family. And the family is so helpful in the way that it nurtures and prepares a child who is born into this world to become a full-fledged citizen or a participant of a community. Someone has done an excellent job to articulate the framework for raising a child. Sorry, I got too fast. All these hypotheses of five Ps put together what a family does. Prayer, and I know that not every family in Canada will agree with me that one of the things we need to do as a family is to pray for ourselves because when we pray to God, it's a process of recognizing his power and his authorities in our lives. It's a way, it's a process of yielding ourselves to him for what we are unable to do for ourselves and hoping that he will act according to his ways and in his time. So we are encouraged to pray to God as a family, even for the unborn children. We have to pray for our children every day, even the unborn ones. Provision, you're all familiar with this. We just know this framework just articulated. And I put it all together because when you do all this, it means love. You will agree with me that when you provide for your children or you protect or guide them, you plan for them, you prepare for them, and you discipline them, all together makes sense because it shows that you love them. And that is a framework for family. Something similar can happen to a person who is a child of God as well. God does pray. He provides. He protects. He plants. And he chastises us. And I don't want you to see that punishment as something that, you know, I don't want to make any political statement that, you know, where, you know, God, why should God punish us? As a child of God, we will know that if you, if you're a child of God, he loves you, there must be some sort of correction in your life. But first, before we talk about the benefit that you can derive as a child of God, in God's own family, how do you become a child of God? 
I know so many people who are here tonight. But if you are here and you are not a child of God yet, what God is saying is that before this, the benefit can be extended to you, you have to consider all these, all these verses. In John chapter 3, verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, he said, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. I like that verse because it tells you that once you believe in his name, you can become a child of God. And if you are, if you are here this morning, the second verse was shared at the breaking of bread. Titus 3, 1 to 7. He said, remind them to be subject to the rulers and authority, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all hum humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. It gets better in verse 4. He said, but when the kindness of God and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of generations and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> whom he poured out abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I underline in my text here the word heirs. Sometimes we just read it and we don't pay attention to their hair. We become heirs of God according to the hope of eternal life. Let me give you an instance. If um, the British monarch Queen says, by virtue of adoption, we become heir to the throne. We will be excited because it's physical, because it's monetary, it's regal. But we don't take very seriously the meaning of being heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's a powerful word because he has adopted us. We become part and parcel of God. God's own family. So that is a very important word. And Galatians 4 said to redeem those who are under the Lord that we might receive the adoptions as sons and daughters of God. So this is how we can become part and parcel of God's family. And then we can now talk about the benefit. Ephesians 1, if you want to read further, Ephesians 1, 5 and Romans 8, verse 15. I think um, um, Sam shared it this morning as well. Romans 8.15. Once we become the child of God, one of the first things you want to read to know the benefit of God is Psalm 103, 
one to five. I summarized all that. This is all the benefit that we get from, you know, as a member of God's family. We can quickly turn to Romans 5. Ro- uh, sorry, Psalm 103. I will just read it from verse 1 to 5 or 6. And then you will see all oh, what I've, I highlighted is our forgiver. Christ is our healer. He is our redeemer, our provider, our satisfier, and our renewer. It says, it says, blessed, it says, I will praise him because of what he has done for me, because of his benefit in my life. And it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquity? Who healed all thy diseases? Our greatest disease is sin, as it has just been rightly pointed out. Once our sin is canceled, once it's annulled, every other good thing starts to happen. So he's our forgiver. And verse two, uh, 3 says, Who redeemed thy life from destruction? Who crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfied thy mouth with good things, so that thy young is renewed like the eagles. I like that. I said something here like that the, straight, the, 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 the same framework that is with the family, the Hartley family, we can extrapolate it to the God's family as you no. Know, at the same time. And God did, does all this to us too because we're by virtue of being in his family. You know, we're told that prayer is very good. The scripture illustrates that God takes you no know, cares in all our physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. He cares. The Bible, the scriptures is abundant. It tells us that. Even in John chapter 17, Christ prayed. First, he prayed for himself to be glorified. Second, he prayed for his disciples for, you know, that God should sanctify them with thy, you know, by, thy, by your truth. Truth leads to spiritual understanding. And then God prays for the believers as well, for unity. So we do enjoy that blessings from God. You will all agree with me that as a child of God, he does provide and meets all our needs. I don't know about you. God takes care of all of our physical and spiritual needs. Bible is replete with instances where Christ himself fed thousands of people. We have in the Old Testament where he has made physical provisions for the needs of people. And he does provide spiritually as well. He brought us into this assembly. And we are fed spiritually all the time. We look forward to come to the communion, the breaking of bread, because God inspired people to speak, to meet our needs, spiritual need. So he does provide. He is our provider. 
Another thing is that when we think of Joseph, we oftentimes think of Joseph as a type of Christ. And Joseph was talking, he was, was, was speaking to, the, to his people in Genesis chapter 45, verse 11. After Joseph met with his brothers, he said to them, there, referring to Goshen, he said, I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there shall still be five years of famine. That was Joseph speaking. And he did, God did provide it for him. And, he, and God used him to bless his people. He does meet our need, physical needs, our hunger, our thirst. He can satisfy all that. Philippians 4.19, we can all reside, no, reside that. He shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We talk another, about another provision in Genesis chapter 22. I, this past week, I was teaching the Rejoice Club, and this verse came up. It was our main theme for the, for the kids. And I was so excited to see how the kids responded to that. Genesis 22, verse 8, God himself will provide. We were telling them, teaching them about, about the story of uh, Abraham and Isaac. And they were so excited that God kept his promise. He provided for us. And he provided by a scheme of, uh, the, the scheme of grace in our life by providing his son to annul our sin. Second Corinthians 9, verse 8 said, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things for every good work. Psalm 37, 3 to, 5, 3 to 4 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That's a blessing. After, after the provision, we, we've talked about the pray, you know, that, that God does intervene through protection, uh, through prayer, and through provision. Another thing that I would want you to know as benefit is, you know, of being a, a child of God is protection that we have in, in, in Christ. We are protected. And I would like to look at this aspect of the blessings in terms of John, what John, John 10 verse 11 says, as I am a good shepherd. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. And he says, and I know my sheep and am known of mine. Christ is our shepherd. We hire his sheep and is, has the best pastorage and protection for our lives. First, he laid down his life for us. And what, who can lay any charge against us? If Christ died for our sins, we are protected because we are his child. We are his children. The Lord Jesus Christ compared himself to a shepherd and he does so in order to bring out the central teaching concerning himself, his deity, and his great office and work as our Savior. 
what are the lessons that we tended to learn from you know, Christ being our shepherd? As a, as a, you know, if, we are, if we are sheep, we have to listen to the truth and the voice of Christ. We have to listen when he calls. Where I come from, there is a, there is a saying that a dog that will, go get, that will go missing will not heed his master's call. He will not listen to his master. A dog that is ready to go astray will not listen to his master's call. I can, you know, literally, that is what the saying is. And it's true. If God is a good, is our shepherd, we have to listen to his voice. We have to listen to the truth so that we can be protected and that we can be found where he wants us to be. So we have to listen to his voice so that we don't get lost. And in, you know, with Psalm 32, 8 to 9, it said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which you shall go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or as the mole, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed and with beat and breed you. Helps, they will not come near to you. Don't be stubborn. As a child of God, you know, heed instruction, listen and be obedient. And the understanding of the Lord will guide you. Know, he will guide you. He doesn't want us to be, guide, to be, to be stubborn. We must study our Bible. The Bible is full of, with instructions and directly to guide us as to how we should comport our lives. So we have to read our Bible every day so that we can stay protected. We must follow the shepherd as he leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. By extension, in John 10, 12 to 13, God is telling us why we should stay protected, why we should be in the fold. So what are we being protected from? One, we are being protected from the hiring, hiring. And I think what that means is the, 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 the people, these people, the, the hirings are not, they are not shepherds. They are the people that were hired by the shepherd to take care of the sheep. So they have little interest in the sheep. I was reading um, um, uh, a background today, and someone referred the, the hiring to the Pharisees because they were only so concerned about the monetary gain from the people they were serving. They would not love you the way the shepherd himself would love you. And in the modern times, this would be with fake pastors that are everywhere that are only you know, into it because of the monetary gain that they want to go for it. So we, we, are, we are want to be, you know, to be wary of those people. And that we, if, you, if, you, if you listen to God's voice, we would stay protected. And then he talks again about the wolf. And that is the temptations and devil in our lives. So we are to watch and flee to our shepherd for our protection. God does plan for his children. He leads them. This morning when I listened to Brother Mark speaking on this, 
important subject of leading, God's leading, and God's plan for you as, a, as his child. I just felt this is, this is a message that I've, been, you know, that I've been trying to put together. He couldn't have been you know, said better. He used his own life to let us know exactly what, is, what God's plan has been for him. We could relate with what he was talking about. And the same thing happens here. God does plan for his people. He's leading us. First, he's planned the salvation. There is this plan of salvation to include you and I. Not just for the, gen- not just for the Jews. To include even in the mystery of the secret of his plan, he has included us, the Gentiles. The Jews thought they were the only privileged ones, but God included it. He extended his mercy to cover us. So you've been, you've been planned for right from the eternity. That is a benefit. And when we think of God's benefit, they are always very good to us because they should prompt us to want to worship him. Thinking about God's benefit to you must prompt you to want to pray and thank him and praise him. That's the essence of my, of my message today. Because we are so forgetful, we need to be reminded oftentimes about what we are getting, what are the gains that we are getting from being, you know, for, because we are children of God. He does have plans for us right from the beginning. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that you can be free. God's wonderful thoughts towards us and his people are wonderfully kind. Isaiah, I love that God, uh, the, the, the verse. Then my thoughts towards you are thoughts of good and not evil. That's another interpretation. My thoughts towards you are thoughts of good and not evil to give you a hope unexpected end. That's a powerful verse. God so he cares so much that he has he wants an expected end for you. Not only that God's thoughts are you know, towards us are wonderful, but also wonderful are his leadings and his work in our life. I like this Psalm 105. We can you can you can quickly turn into Psalm 105. Because it speaks to me one day when I was doing my morning de- devotion and I came across it. It's a summary. It's a summary, a review of Joseph's life. And we can all relate to it. Psalm 105, 16 to 22 says, Moreover, he called for farming upon the land. He break the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for his servants, whose feet they hurt with feathers. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came to pass. The word of God tried him. The king sent and lose him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and rulers of all his substance, some other interpretation with all his possessions, to bind the princes at his pleasure and to teach his senator wisdom. That is a summary of Joseph's life. 
And perhaps if you read and you get to the middle of what the, the verse, you would think if Joseph's life would have ended there, you wouldn't have seen the whole picture of what, was going, what, God has, what God was going to do for him. But just starting from the beginning, you will see that God is trying to tell us that even though you are at the stage where you are now, he's not finished with you yet. What he has started in your life, he is going to bring it to completion. And that you will have a powerful testimony the way Joseph did. So he was leading. Everything that was happening to Joseph at that time seems to be, why me? I've been faithful. I followed you. And everything was leading, was leading. But God was guiding his steps. And finally, he was able to become a ruler. So that is important for us to know that God's leading in our lives is so important. And that as long as we remain his child, he has purpose for every one of us. And he's leading us. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We listened to you know, Mark this morning, and we can see and relate to this verse in his life as well. And I can tell you that even though he has planned for himself, but the Lord has been directing his steps. So for every one of us, for, for his children, God has laid out causes and paths for all his children. Through his clear leading, and in accordance with our respective gifts, we can become who he wants us to be. He's laid out causes apart for every one of you. And through his leading, if we listen to his promptings, he will take us there. It's a difficult you know, subtitle, but it's important because we know that correction is needed in our lives. I was uh, on, on last Thursday. We had a we had a Bible study in my in my workplace, and we've been considering David as a Bible character. And we reviewed two sins in David's life. One was the, if I ask any one of you to tell me what David did wrong, the first thing that came would will come up would probably be the Bathsheba. And it happened. And then we considered when David, it has been spoken about in this assembly as well, when David chose to you know, undertake his censor to count the number of his army. The consequences of what he did was grievous. You know the number of people, thousands of people who lost his life, who, who, that loved their, li their, their lives because of that singular action, because of David's action. There are consequences to sin. God might give us the grace to deal with it, but no sin will go unpunished. So God really wants us to know that we can be disciplined by God. All believers are under the disciplines of God's special providence. God is suffering. 
God is kind. This morning we are told about God's kindness and his severity. God is kind. He will forgive you all your sins, but at the same time, no sins will go un, un, unpunished. So for whom he loves, Hebrews 12, 6, says that what? He chastised. We all have children. And oftentimes they go, they do what they are not supposed to do. And we know that we cannot spare the rod sometimes if we want to make them to become better people. So we, we discipline them. So also God does to us in this way too. And he has a measure that will not make, make us to lose our testimony in the way he deals with us. What I can bear, he knows. And when he's dealing with me, I know that he knows what I can bear. But he allows the other to go into the... You, you might perhaps say that, okay, why is it that he's not, you know, he's not punishing some other people out there who are not doing his will? All you need to do is just to read Romans, verse one, Romans chapter 1. He has given them hope. And he's waiting for that day. The pastor was saying it this morning. He said, it is appointed for us once to die. And after death, judgment. There will be judgment, there will be punishment, and there will be discipline. But as, he has, as a child of God, as you are going with God, walking with God in a daily, you know, on, a, on a daily basis, he corrects, he chastises, he lifts you up, he carried you. One more important thing that I will add is that God does much more to us than what the framework that I gave you about the family will do. He does more than pray for us and fulfilling his promises in, his, in our life. He does more by, by, than meeting all our needs, protecting us, having plans and leading us. He's got a hope of eternal life for every one of us. That we cannot compare with anything. Life must be treating you badly. You may be, you may be suffering an affliction. You may lose your job. Something terrible might happen to you. You may be bereaved. That is not because you have done something sinful to God. Not necessarily. It's just because sometimes God used those circumstances to teach us so that we can help others or we can learn ourselves. So his discipline is not to, 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 to the way man would conceive it. Sometimes circumstances will prove character. I was talking to my wife two years ago before my mother passed. I wouldn't know how to tell the person look, who has lost his or her husband or mother or father to say, oh, I know how you feel. I can imagine it. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell that person and say, I know what you are going through. But God has used that circumstances to really help me to speak with those that I know that they have bereavement in their families. Those are the circumstances that God put on his way, not because you've done something wrong 
or not because this other person is a better Christian than you are. It's just because God has brought it into that position so that you can be trained by that circumstances and you can be of help to the other people who will need it. And sometimes we don't even have an explanation for what God is doing. I work in an environment where people constantly bring pain and death and affliction as justification for not accepting Christ in their lives. When you say something, they said, if God cares, why did he allow this? Why did he do this to me? We may never know. But one day we will know. But one thing that I know is that he allowed that it happened because not only is that God is suffering, he's got a providential plan in, his, in, your, in, in, in your life. He's got a plan. And where he's going, you may not know. So his providential plan in your life will be fulfilled as well. So if you are going through a difficult time, I pray that God will go through it with you in a way that you will understand why it has allowed it to happen to you. It might be a correction. It might be for you to change some attitude. And it might be for you to, so that you can help others who are in irrelevantly similar circumstances. But more important than what all that I've just said, he cares, is that one day he will bring us to himself. No other blessings is as good as what I've just told you. I like what John 14 says about that. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Before I close, I will ask you, if you are not a child of God already, you can partake of that blessing. So it's a good question to ask yourself, where am I going to spend my eternity? Will I be there when God comes to pick his own? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will minister it into our heart in such a way that we will understand and that our spiritual eyes will be open. If we have not confessed you as our Lord and Savior, this is another opportunity. It is appointed for everyone to die once and there will be judgment. I pray that, Lord, you will lead us to make decisions and to act on what has been spoken in such a way that we will not miss out of your blessings. Thank you, Lord. We commit all our week into your hand. We ask that you will protect and guide us. Help us, Lord, to live in a way that we will bring glory to your name 
And in whatever things we do this week, Lord, we ask that we will be able to live like a Christian and our life will please you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.